All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Beat. I'm, of course, Nick Baumgartner, along this week with Colton Pouncey, or I guess take two this week, anyway, with Colton Pouncey. So Michigan State talk, Colton, before we get started, obviously no game this weekend, but uh, a chance for Michigan State to maybe reset a little bit. We'll get into all of that, the quarterback stuff, everything else, but first of all, how we doing, my man? I'm doing good. Uh, you know, it's you, know, you, you certainly feel for what's happening in Maryland, but in terms of uh, some time off, I think that's probably best for Michigan State right now. They can kind of evaluate things, use a little bit more time, and uh, I, for me personally, I'm excited to watch some college football this weekend. There's some pretty good games in the Big Ten slate. Yeah, how about that? You get a little uh, little chance to maybe just watch. Yeah, like we were in August again or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, I mean, you brought up the point, though. I mean, this is this is a weird year and a year that nobody was going to get a buy. And you know, for a team like Michigan State, and we've seen it with Michigan, and we've seen it with Penn State, and some other teams too that are just struggling. There's no, you know, in this condensed schedule, there's just there's no room to uh, to be able to stop and reset and gather yourself. You just got to keep churning along. And it's interesting, right, because, you know, Mel Tucker's said as much a few times this week that, you know, they need to play pretty badly to figure out a lot of the stuff that they need to figure out. But at the same time, you're not going to turn a breakdown either as, as there's a couple things here on the, on the docket that they can kind of get done this week. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I thought it was interesting because Mel's kind of really started his last two press conferences talking about, you know, Hey, I just want to thank our medical staff for, for keeping us safe and healthy enough yeah. to play these games because we do need to play. You know, you got to understand um, that they're going through something that it's it's they're at half the halfway point so far in the season. And Mel is just now kind of talking about, yeah, we have a pretty good idea of what we have. And that's mm -hmm. kind of crazy to think about considering, you know, obviously no spring fall camp cut short and all that stuff. But they're halfway through the season and he just now feels like he has a good idea of his roster. So it's a good starting point, but obviously you need to play right. these games to kind of figure that out for the rest of the season. That's going to set you up for the future. And I think we've seen that play out, you know, on the field. Uh, there's been, you know, some guys have had nice days and then they've disappeared and some guys have disappeared and then had nice days. And then, mm -hmm. you know, we've seen guys you know, like Ricky White have a huge day against Michigan and then really not do so much the next couple of weeks. Jaden Reed was quiet against Michigan and then has been able to be a little more active since. Um, but the bigger one, Colton, and I think the thing that, you know, that everybody wants to talk about here, uh, and that we can spend some time on is the quarterback spot, mm -hmm. which, you know, we talked a lot about this in the off season in the summer about how it was probably unlikely they were going to go through a year, uh, unless Rocky Lombardi was just awesome wire to wire that it was unlikely that we were going to go through a year and not see whoever the backup was, which in, in this case was Peyton Thorne. Um, and in this game, you know, just two more really careless turnovers, uh, from Rocky in, in situations that we've seen before where he's just – it's not that he's not seeing the field. It seems like he's rushing through his reads sometimes. It seems like he's playing too fast at times, certainly trying to do too much. And, you know, sometimes coaches will pull a starter like that that they're comfortable with just to get them off the field and let them reset themselves. But in this case, you know, I don't know if Rocky's – such an ironclad starter that this doesn't turn into, okay, well, now we have to reevaluate everything maybe and see what happens. I also don't know that Peyton Thorne did enough necessarily, but he also didn't play that poorly necessarily to just sort of shut the book. What's your sort of – where are you sitting at right now as they head into sort of a bye with this? Um, and maybe what do you think we'll see when this uh, when the smoke clears and they get back out there against Northwestern? Yeah, you know, it's been two weeks now that we've seen Rocky get pulled from yeah. the game. And I think after – Iowa, I was sort of like, okay, I mean, 
it seemed to me like the coaches intentionally kept him in there longer than he probably should have been. Yeah, maybe. And I wonder if that was because they're trying to signal, hey, like we don't want a quarterback controversy on our hands. Like Rocky is our guy. They kept him in there basically until early in the fourth quarter of that of that Iowa game. And I was like, okay, yeah, they probably could have put Thorne or someone else in there really midway through the third quarter. And I was like, I feel like they're trying to prove a point with that. Um, yeah. So I even after that game, some people were asking me like, okay, do you see anything bubbling from this? And I was like, I mean, not really, just based on the game flow and how that game went. It seems like they were really still trying to show, no matter how much he struggled, that Rocky was their guy, at least right now. And mm. that Indiana game, again, like, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's not it's a problem really seeing the whole field. I, I think it's just, yeah, rushing through his progressions and things like that, trying to do too much. Part of that is probably because there's no balance offensively right now. It's just right. chuck it deep or, or <laughs> incompletion and, and yeah. you know, a two-yard loss in the run game. You know, that's kind of their offense right now. So Rocky's not getting a ton of help, but really he's also not helping himself. And when they made that quarterback switch, uh, you know, Mel said after the game that, again, it was, you know, part decision-making and, you know, putting them in, in good positions. They didn't feel like Rocky was doing that. And Thorne, it's probably more conservative quarterback. He doesn't have the same arm that, that Lombardi does. But, I mean, he's a guy that's going to go through his progressions, go, go through his reads and kind of wait until the right opportunity is there and then and then make the throw. So I think that's what they see from him. Um, it's kind of a, a, a good discussion right now who's going to be the guy. And I think yeah. that's probably on the minds of a lot of people right now. Yeah, with Lombardi, it's interesting because, you know, I, and I wondered if this would be a problem for him because of just the way he plays. He's a really aggressive quarterback um, who – trust his arm and is going to try to make plays and trust his playmakers. And, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll try to fit a throw in there that necessarily isn't, you know, in a window that maybe you would think that <laughs> he should be throwing into. And then sometimes it actually works out, mm -hmm. right? Like we've heard quarterback coaches over the years talk about that, you know, just because a guy's not, you know, what's open in high school for a receiver would be, you know, nobody within six yards of you, right? Open in college isn't that, you know, open in college is just a slight bit of separation. And, and Lombardi's not a quarterback who's afraid to sort of take those chances. But Michigan State is a team right now, and maybe for the foreseeable future, that just can't play football and win when you are turning the ball over like that with with just recklessness and, and quickly, too, sometimes. You know, they just get on the field and... <laughs> And he fires one out there. And sometimes these turnovers are happening because he's sort of desperately trying to make a play. And you can't fault sort of the motivation, I suppose. But careless is careless, and they're just not in a situation to do it. So when you look at the whole season, you look back and you say, well, the Rutgers game, you might have won it if you weren't as careless with the football. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you wouldn't have, right? But like that, that maybe is a win. The Iowa game certainly wouldn't have been as bad. And this Indiana game is a even better example of that. I mean, Indiana was at 2.9 yards of carry on the ground as a team. Uh, they did score in the second half. Um, you know, Michigan State didn't really move the ball either, but, you know, they would have given themselves a chance to make this thing interesting if they hadn't had those two horrible turnovers that gave them, you know, gave Indiana incredible field position. And that's another thing. I mean, that's Michigan State's story of the year is you're allowing offenses, opposing offenses, to set up an amazing field position because you can't stop turning the ball over. And you're already sort of working from behind and you're making life even more difficult on yourself. So, as we talked about in the summer, the quarterback that makes the fewest mistakes is going to be the guy that ends up being, you know, the person in charge here the longest. And 
Do we think that can be Peyton? I mean, he had an interception too. It wasn't necessarily the same as the throws that Rocky's made, but you know, he's a guy right now that is going to call and run exactly what they tell him to do and not do exactly what they tell him to do. He's much more, he seemed more under control maybe a little bit, I, I think fair to say, at least in terms of processing and not rushing anything. But I don't know if that was, you know, they, they put him in there in a blowout and said, just go play loose. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a little hard to read right now, Yeah. but I, I do think I want to see more from Peyton Thorne. I think that's, I guess, long story short, that's where I would end on it. Yeah. I mean, when you're talking about turnovers too, like Lombardi has eight turnovers in four yeah, games lot. and Really, I mean, there are three quarters that he was benched for. So it's yeah. even, you know, the the turnover per quarter, if you want to go by that, it's even larger than that. But, um, you know, I think when I look at the quarterback battle right now, it's, again, I think it's sort of who do you – what style do you want? Do you want the big arm that can kind of give you those plays when they're there? I don't know mm-hmm. if Thorne necessarily has the, the, the arm talent as Rocky Lombardi to get down there. I mean, he's got a decent arm, but he's, you know, smaller frame guy – more of a game manager, in my opinion, based on what I've seen and what I've heard from, you know, people that have been around him. But, you know, he came to that Indiana game and really did not look afraid of the moment. And I think no, because no. of, you know, some of the preparation that he puts in, you know, his dad is a coach, uh, Division Three, won a national championship last year. Um, you know, he is sort of, you know, the ultimate preparation guy based on, you know, the people I've talked to yeah. that, that know him. And, um, I think when you talk about Jay Johnson, when he looks for in a quarterback, that's always been, at least this offseason, what he's been pointing to. Mm-hmm. Someone that knows the responsibilities of every player, knows what the defense is going to do, um, can say calm, cool, and collected because of his preparation. And, you know, again, I don't think they were putting Thorne, you know, in, in a – critical condition out there. I think they're just kind of like, yeah, go play football. Like we're already down. So what's the yeah, worst right, that can happen? Right. I do think the the game plan was a little bit more conservative with him, but I wonder if you do give him first team reps in practice and give him a game, or let, you know, a few days before the game say, Hey, you're a guy, um, you know, prepare like it, like be the starter and we're going to open up a game plan for you. So I wonder what that would look like if he does have a game that's tailored toward him. instead of just coming up and cleaning up as a backup. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, I would. I mean, I would think that you would want to start the guy who can just get give you know who can best get you the easy stuff at this point, mm-hmm. and that might be Thorne. I mean, you know, there were some there were some shots he had in the game there against Indiana that were pretty easy, you know, gimmies that were nothing nothing crazy, but you know, important, you know, stuff that moves, you know, moves the chains, keeps you on the field, you know, allows you to stay in the game, stay in the fight, and just that's that's Michigan State's best recipe for winning a game right now in this current situation is to just hang in there, you know, it's just to be, to be in position, to be in position in the fourth quarter of a game. And I know that sounds like boring and whatever, but that's their, that's their reality. They're not going to stack up a three score lead on somebody and then have to play keep away. That's just not going to happen. So they, they need to have a quarterback who can sort of allow them to ride those waves without, you know, the whole ship, you know, skipping off the bottom of the ocean. And I think that that while he is a younger player, I mean, you kind of said it, Colton. I mean, his when you give him something where there's, okay, check one, check two, and get the ball out, he does that pretty well. You know, that's 
not something that's over his head. You know, I'm, I'm curious if, you know, if you're making more read. I mean, they did a zone. They pulled, let him do a zone read on the first play of the, the whole thing. He yep. goes out there. Obviously, Indiana wasn't ready for it. He makes his own read and gets a big chunk. You know, you're not making a living off that. But, like, you know, there are things he can do maybe that uh, within himself that, that maybe help you and maybe help the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you kind of mentioned it there. But another aspect we haven't really talked about with Thorne is his mobility. You know, I mean, he took that read, I think, 38 yards downfield yeah, on his first jump, play. Yeah. yeah, and he made a nice jump cut there in open field mm-hmm. to get a few extra yards there. Um, and also, you know, his scrambling ability. There's a play, I think, in the third quarter where, you know, Indiana just blitzed their middle linebacker right yeah. in the middle. Nick Samak, I think, might have missed him. Um, just right through the yeah. A-gap. Like, should have yep. been a sack. Like, if that was Rocky Lombardi back there, it would have been a sack. And Thorne recognized it quickly, rolled out of the pocket, kept his eyes downfield, and found Jaden Reed for a gain of, you know, 21, I think. So, right. I mean, that's also what he gives you, you know, maybe some more flexibility with his legs. Um, you know, with Jay Johnson's offense to Colorado, I know their quarterback last year wasn't the most mobile guy, but um, – He I, could move in the pocket. He could move, yeah. yeah. So I think if you have a guy that is a little bit more, you know, talented with his feet and, and knows what to do, maybe that makes things easier for you as a play caller. You can kind of open things up a little bit more. Um, and, again, I mean, it's just a different look. It's like, what do you want? Mm-hmm. Like, Rocky, we know what he brings to the table. He started four games. You know, he's – he started in 2018. We saw him a little bit back then. So I guess the question is now, do you see more in Rocky? Do you think that there's, you know, maybe some more untapped potential based on what we've seen? I, I don't really know if that's the case. Yeah. But the other question is, are you ready to give the keys to, to Peyton Thorne? Because it really, since this Maryland game was canceled, you have three games left. You have Northwestern, yeah. you have Ohio State, you have Penn State. So again, like how much more do you want to see from Lombardi versus how much more do you want to see from Thorne? And I think that's kind of the question for the team right now. Right. And the age factor means nothing if the older player is going to turn the ball over eight times. I right. Mean, that's, you know what I mean? Like that's the ultimate at the end of the day thing. Well, you, you start the older guy because you're less concerned that he's going to turn the ball over. And so if he's going to be so careless with it, then yeah, no, I mean, he's not getting easy stuff. I mean, the thing that Rocky Lombardi has been able to get them is the hard stuff. Yeah. I mean, he's made a lot of deep shots, like we've said several times. I mean, you've written about it, uh, you know, and, and that's helped them. I mean, it's given them something that they haven't had before. And in some cases, it's been all they've had. It's his ability to, you know, lock in on somebody on one of those go routes and, and deliver. And, you know, but you can't make an entire offense out of one route. <laughs> you can't make an entire offense out of, out of shot plays. You just can't do it. So there's got to be other things that have to happen there. And like you said, I mean, yeah, Thorne shows a nice ability in the pocket to move away from pressure while staying in position to make a throw. So important and very impressive, actually, for a young quarterback who, you know, you said it at the top, son of a coach. You can kind of see that come through. A guy that kept his feet, kept his eyes downfield, is able to sort of avoid the rush. Not, you know, quarterback coaches over the years have always said this. You know, the last thing they want you to do is to desperately – avoid taking a sack they want you to avoid taking a sack but don't be desperate about it to a point where you're turning the ball over and that's what we've seen sometimes from Rocky I think Mm -hmm. where he gets in situations where he's desperately (laughs) trying to avoid a sack where where Peyton Thorne's rolling out of the pocket and it's more under control right so you're still trying to make a play when there's nothing to be made but you're under control so I would like to see more of Thorne I think we probably will I, I would assume um you know but we might see more from Rocky too I mean it might be Something where, like you said, maybe they give the keys to, to Thorne and let him go. But maybe they also say, okay, well, whatever. This is a weird year. Let's just alternate drives. I don't know. I mean, they could do that too. So, What do you think about that, a, though? Do you I, think that's a good in idea? This, in this year, 
is the only year I would ever say that I think you could get away with it. Okay. Any other year, I would say absolutely not. It gets dumb. And in this year, I might even go on that, you know, go on that too and, and lean on that. But this is about the only situation, given Michigan State's situation in this year, that I could see maybe that being something. But I think you probably do, like to your point, you probably got to pick somebody and sort of go from there and keep that. You know, you want to reward whoever plays best in practice too and make sure you're doing that as well. Yeah, for sure. So elsewhere on the field, I mean, before we move on here, obviously the Maryland game canceled. Was there anything else that stood out to you last week uh, in that Indiana game? We talked about the fact that, you know, they didn't score after halftime. Defensively, I think Michigan State probably played better than this game looks, uh, although, the you know, the pass defense was not not great, and Indiana's got some stud receivers and Penix. But the run defense was solid, I think. Uh, you know, you're going to make Indiana run the ball 40 times for 113 yards or 39 times. For, you're going to do – you're going to take that. I mean, that's enough. That should have been enough to be a little closer. So there's a couple things in here maybe that, that have improved, but overall still too many mistakes. Yeah, um, defense pits a shutout in the second half of that game. I thought that was a nice bounce back after the first half. And, and again, this defense has been put in so many bad positions. Like, it's really kind of hard to evaluate them as a whole. I kind of wrote about that this week because right now I think Michigan State ranks, I think, 86 nationally in, in scoring defense, allowing 33.8 points per game. I mean, but a lot of that has just been, you know, off of turnovers and yeah. the punt coverage has not been good. So they're giving up yards and, and field position battle. Like in three of the four games that they played, I think Rutgers started at its own 45. Um, mm-hmm. Iowa started at its own 46. And Indiana started at its own 47. 47. The average in, in FBS football right now is the 30. So they're giving right. up 15, 16, 17 yards on average per drive to these opposing teams. And it, it goes back to turnovers and, and everything like you mentioned, Nick, like, these teams do not need Michigan State's help to right. Michigan State. You know, like they're they're making it easier for these opposing teams and just putting themselves in a bad position, really. And so, I, I again, like the defense has, I think they've been better than maybe the numbers would suggest. I think you still have to go back to they're learning a new scheme. It's going to take time. They're trying to get the right players in there, mix and match, evaluate all that stuff. But I don't know. Like I, I do feel like the offense in general has kind of put the defense in poor position and yeah, oh yeah. trying to be cognizant of that when we kind of evaluate what's going on here. Which leads me to my next thing. And Mel Tucker talked about this a little bit on Monday or Tuesday, which was a very interesting, um, he's gotten, I mean, he's got, let's say this, Mel Tucker started out the year and some of these press conferences could be kind of boring. Uh, they're not boring anymore for, <laughs> for people who, for people who listen. I mean, he's settling in now and he talked quite a bit anyway about, you know, culture development and setting and making sure that that's the main thing that's being emphasized here. And that includes the process of, you know, you, you getting a scholarship here, whether it was given to you by the former staff, given to you by the current staff, does not allow for you to take the next five years to sort of coast and do nothing and then keep your scholarship, right? Like, <laughs> I think this was the first time we sort of heard that. I mean, the, the phrase he said was, Compete to play, compete to stay. That's great. And, you know, tr- transfer portal stuff's been talked about. A couple guys went in there this week. Um, but Colton, I mean, sort of walk us through this, what we heard from Mel Tucker in that, what that phrase sort of means and maybe where we see this kind of going because it's going to be different from from the Mark D'Antonio era, but it's also, you know, how modern college football kind of operates. Yeah, you know, when you have players that enter the portal kind of midseason, you always kind of wonder, like, where that's coming from. I think last year when we saw it, it was, like, some dudes that weren't getting a ton of time under Mark D'Antonio, and maybe, I don't know, maybe they saw that 
you know, he was kind of on the end of a uh, back end of his career. I don't know if that played into it as much, but you definitely saw a lot of midseason turnover last year. This year is different because this is the first year of a coaching staff. These aren't his players. So, and again, because he didn't have that time in spring and even, you know, in fall and in August and September a little bit, we're just now at a point where he feels like he has a decent grasp of what's on his roster. Right. And so now you're going to see guys leave. And he mentioned like, obviously I think you can anticipate seeing some more movement on our roster, whether it's Porter, Porter related or anything else. Like, I think he understands what this is. He's trying to let people know, like, hey, there's going to be some turnover. We need guys to fit our culture. And if you can't do that, this is non-negotiable. You know, like the transfer portal is there for you if you want to if you want to take advantage of 100%. that. And we're also going to take advantage of it on our end. You know, he took it. He grabbed some players from the portal when he was at Colorado that he wanted that kind of fit his scheme. I think he had a four star defensive end, a transfer from Alabama. So, like, he's going to take advantage of that. And he also understands, like, Again, like the the quicker I can turn over this roster, the the more the better position we're going to be um, for success in the future. So yeah. if you don't fit his style, that's that's what he's valuing right, right now. He's yeah, gonna there are gonna be plenty of guys on this team that will stick around and will compete for Mel Tucker. You know he's a, he likes Jordan Simmons a lot. He recruited Jordan Simmons when he was at Colorado. I think on the broadcast, you know those guys talked to the coaching staff behind the scenes leading up to games. Um, so on the ESPN broadcast last week. Uh, they mentioned that, hey, we're they're about to make Jordan Simmons the featured back. So, like, there are players that they're evaluating on this roster that that will keep around, that, that they will keep around, and that will be contributors for this team. And there are also going to be guys that, yeah, you know, thanks for playing, but uh, <laughs> there's yeah. there's a portal. You know, I think that's just how it is, and he understands that's how you that's how football is supposed to operate in year 2020. Yeah, I mean, in the old days of six years ago or seven years ago or whatever you want to look at it, um, before the before players sort of had the ability to enter their name in there and, you know, teams would, you know, back then, I mean, teams could block your, your limit, your transfer list, you know, you couldn't go to certain teams, you wouldn't have the ability to, you know, pursue whatever you wanted to pursue. The grad transfer thing wasn't even as prevalent. And, you know, this was something that used to be frowned upon in the Big Ten anyway, as sort of like a gentleman's like, you know, you give a kid a scholarship that should be his scholarship until, you know, he can't physically compete anymore basically that mm-hmm. was the that was the old mindset and as we saw over ye- over the years you know at Michigan you saw Harbaugh do that when he got there a lot of those guys that were fifth year seniors um the fifth year was always the the one where he would tell them like you know your fifth year has to be earned we gave you a scholarship you were here for four years you got a degree that's what we promised you you got it but your fifth year isn't free. So you have to prove to me that you're good enough to be on this team. And it ruffled feathers a little bit at the time, but I always thought it made a lot of sense. And I, I'm in the same boat here for, for Mel Tucker. I think that if this if this pisses people off, then whatever, then it, that's a you problem because that's how this has to be done. I mean, you can't just you can't just sit there and continue to go forward with a bunch of guys that somebody else you know, who's no longer here, promise something to. And if those guys aren't delivering on the promise on their end of it, it's time to go forward and move on because there are other options. As you said, the transfer portal changes everything for both sides of this equation. It changes everything for the player and allows them the ability to, you know, move more freely. And of course, you know, everything that comes with that and the NCAA stuff about having to sit out a year and all that stuff. And hopefully, you know, maybe that gets... Is that, I don't know what all the rules are now. I don't. They change so fast. If that's eradicated or if that's going to be one day, whatever it is, it's easier now to do it than it's ever been before. But for the coaching staff as well, it has to also be part of your – yeah, I mean, like if you're going to get any guff, 
from a kid who hasn't put in the work and he's complaining about I haven't played, then you're going to tell him immediately. Like the door is right there, man. Like I don't think this is working. I think it's time to go. Yeah. And I don't know how you could. I don't know how you could fault either party for that. If if no one's happy, then what are you doing? And you know, and I think that that's that's also a life lesson as much as anything else. That's not the we're quitting. On you know, uh, this guy's upset about something frivolous, so he's quitting. It's competition, and it's you know part of part of sort of dealing with <laughs> situations in front of you and. I think that's that's fair to fair to see all around. Yeah, you know, he mentioned sort of, hey, college football isn't easy. If it were easy, everyone would play, everyone yeah, would, would right. be a part of it. So like it's it's tough. They gotta make tough decisions, you know? Like they're trying to turn the roster over, they're trying to get their guys in there, they're trying to win. Like this is not like they're not here for fun. This they're here to win games. Mm-hmm. That's why you pay a coach five and a half million dollars after one year. You know, you bring him in, he's got a lot of pressure on him to, to succeed and I think he realizes the faster that he can get his guys in, the faster that will happen in theory. So, yeah. I mean, again, like he's going to hit the portal. He talks about recruiting every day and he's like, hey, that extends to the portal as well. So, like, guys are competing for their jobs. They're competing for the spots on the roster each and every day. They're evaluating it. He's like, we evaluate the walk-ons, the star players, whoever. Like, we're going to look at everything you do, not just practice reps, you know, the stuff you're putting in your body, how you're eating, your, your, your um, you know, strength and conditioning program regimen all that mm-hmm. stuff they're, they're evaluating every single part of it and it's going to take time to kind of get the full picture but at least right now at midseason Mel Tucker feels like he has a good idea of what he has and I think we will start to see a few more players enter the portal we've already seen retro freshman linebacker Marcel Lewis going there yeah. um you know running back Anthony Williams Jr. who's a guy mm-hmm. that we both liked you know talented yep. kid couldn't really crack the field and I don't really know if that was on or off the field kind of things there but Regardless, you know, he was really the four-string running back on this team. And, again, if that's the case, go look for another opportunity, you know. Good for him. I'm glad that yeah. he's able to kind of enter that portal because I think he'll probably have interest. You know, he's a, a nice, versatile player, so I think he can help out a team. It just wasn't going to be at Michigan State. And, you know, they've got a guy in Jordan Simmons that they like. They've got a four-star running back in Audrick Estime coming in next year who they like. And there's still Connor Hayward on the roster and still Elijah Collins. So who knows what's going to happen with them. But – the running back position is kind of crowded right now. So if you're a kid um, on the roster, maybe lower on the depth chart and, you know, for whatever reason, the coaches haven't deemed you, you know, worthy of consistent reps and playing time. Again, it's a mutual thing. You can also look for an opportunity and they can look for an opportunity to bring in someone else. Yeah. The hard part with that becomes, comes in like year three and four, if you're not winning and you're still sort of operating like that, sure, people, sure. people are going to, but right now it's, it's totally fine. I mean, his entire program's, philosophy for as long as he's here should be and probably will be uh, to tell every player on the roster that my job is to go out 12 months a year and recruit players to come in here and take your job and to come in here and be better than you. And your job is to uh, not let that happen. That's, that's the situation. That's how, you know, great programs stay great. Oftentimes with recruiting, it's, we just signed a superstar player that we think is awesome, and now we're going to go out and try to find somebody better than him to come in here and either make him better, push him out of here, or make us better uh, in that process. And that becomes more difficult, obviously, as time goes on and if you haven't delivered your end as a head coach. But for right now, in the early stages, for this class and for the next one, that, that's going to be the message for the entire for the entire roster. Nobody, nobody would be safe on that one, including somebody like you know Antoine Simmons, who's been their best player all year, and, and the thing I think they would love about Antoine Simmons would be that he would tell you, like, 
go ahead and bring somebody in here. Obviously, he's a senior, but his response, right? I think Colton, we know him enough. Yeah. He would have said, like, go ahead and bring somebody in here. He's not taking my job. And that's what you want. That's the guy that you want on your team. 100%. Yeah. I mean, the the guys, again, like you mentioned, the guys that you want are the ones that are that are going to welcome that competition. They don't right. care who's there. They're, they're kind of set on keeping their job, and they're going to keep it that way, you know? And like, right. I, the other part of this is I think they're – they're intentionally playing a lot of young guys. I mentioned Jordan Simmons, but Angelo Gross got the start last week. Um, Ricky White's been playing a lot. Even the backup receivers, a lot, a lot mm-hmm. of true freshmen and, and and retro freshmen, you know, Cade McDonald, Terry Lockett, and some other guys. So Montori Foster. So I, it feels like they're trying to play a lot of freshmen, and maybe that's because, you know, they're trying to show that there's going to be playing time available for young guys. Maybe that's a recruiting pitch that you can use for 2021 oh, yeah. yeah. And also, again – you got some upperclassmen, some veterans that have yet to crack the rotation. I think the writing's kind of on the wall for them. So, again, yeah, this is going to be a we're, we're constantly going to bring in players. We're constantly going to bring in talent. You know, it's going to be a competition every day. So, I just think that's the new reality for Michigan State. I know it's been different under Mark D'Antonio for so many years, but it's a new era, and I think yeah. guys got to get used to it. Especially, it's a transitional era, and you know, Tucker said on Tuesday that. This number just hit me out of nowhere. I didn't I hadn't put it together that he, nine different times. This is the ninth time that he's been in year one of a program, which is crazy. Yeah, that is a lot. I thought about that for a minute, and I was like, he's not seventy. You know what <laughs> I mean, like he's only what is he was he forty eight, forty six, something like that. I'm like, he's not an old man. I mean, he's a relatively young, youngish dude in terms of you know middle age coaching, whatever. And to be involved in something like this nine times, I mean, I know a lot of these broadcasters and stuff have talked about that lockout year and how this is maybe similar, but more importantly, you know, in terms of transitioning a program over and sort of pulling the weeds and doing what it takes, I think that there's probably not a lot of not a lot of examples of coaches out there who would who would have experienced more of it and would have more to lean on in terms of how to operate through this situation than Mel Tucker. So as weird as it's been. I think you're probably okay that you have a guy that's at least familiar with this sort of process and, and how it goes forward. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you did it just a year ago at Colorado, right? Yeah, I mean, right. It's yeah. not even just a thing that's been like, oh, a decade ago, I was a first-year coach here. It's pretty constant, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're going to go through transition like this, you know, you've got a guy that, that has some experience doing it. So, yeah, I think right. I was I was kind of caught off guard when you mentioned that, too. I know that really stuck to you, and you asked a follow-up yeah, a question lot. about that. But, um, yeah, it was, man, nine years. Crazy. Huh? Yeah. So no Maryland this weekend. Michigan State's back on the 28th uh, versus North. I mean, pretty rough uh, <laughs> final stretch here, Colton. I guess we'll say we'll spend a couple minutes on this before we get out of here. Northwestern obviously still undefeated uh, a week after this one. Uh, that's a home game. Then you get Ohio State at home, which is just Ohio State is on another level from everybody else in this league. Mm-hmm. And then super struggling Penn State on the road at the end of the year. And when you look at this last three-game sort of stretch here in this season that I think a lot of people in Big Ten country are like, we're okay if it ends. Unless <laughs> some want it to go on, some don't. Uh, when you look at this last three-game stretch, what are you um, what do you want to see from these guys? Uh, what, what would you, you know, what would you deem a, not wins and losses even necessarily, but what would you deem a positive maybe three-game stretch here in this final three, if they can get all three in, obviously, uh, and finish it out? Yeah, I mean... It, it, it's tough to say because they've, they've struggled in a lot of areas. So I think you can point to a bunch of things to say, yeah, you can, you can improve here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you've got to get something going in the run game uh, just because Chris Kapilovic came over and I know he hasn't recruited a lot of his guys yet. They're not even on the roster, but you know, we were kind of under the impression that the offensive line would be better uh, than, yeah. it, than it has been at least this, so far this year. And we're still looking for that improvement. We're still waiting for that. And maybe they're trying to, 
you know, mix and match some pieces. And still haven't seen a guy like Spencer Brown, who I thought might be able to get yeah. some playing time. So I wonder, you know, if they're still ineffective as, as they've been so far, maybe you turn to some younger guys and give them a chance just to these last few games of the year that you're probably not going to win all of them anyway. So um, I'm kind of waiting for that. Um, I think, again, maybe a guy like Jordan Simmons, you'd like to see him finish strong. That'll set you up for, for 2021. If you can get him as your featured back and maybe some momentum for him this offseason. Um, and I think, again, like the quarterback competition, it's going to be interesting. Like yeah. Peyton Thorne, can he show enough these final three games to where maybe he's probably looking like your starter going into 2021? Or are we still going to do this whole who's the guy going into next year, right? So I think a few things like that. But, I'll, I mean, honestly, we've talked about this dating back to the summer. You want to see progress, you know, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. they got to cut down these turnovers, fix the field position battles. And I, I think then we'll have a better idea of what this team can do because, yeah, you know, the one game that they did not have turnovers and they did not have field position trouble was Michigan. And I mean, they won that game. That's not to say they'll win every game if they don't turn the ball over, but you know, it's so tough to evaluate this team other than, yeah, they turn the ball over a lot and they're going to shoot themselves in the foot. I just want to see what they can do when they just line it up and play without those mistakes. You know, they're beating themselves. So um, that's probably what I'll look for in these final few games. I mean, Northwestern, They've got Wisconsin coming up this week, so they could either be four and one or five and zero by the time they play Michigan State. So I don't think that's a game that they'll be expected to win. Um, Ohio State's after that again. That's another game you don't expect to win. And but Penn State, hey, that's a that's a rivalry weekend game. Um, yeah. Penn State <laughs> looks pretty bad right now. Terrible. Yeah. Um, they've got some issues right now. So if you can win that game, I, I know that the record probably wouldn't suggest that it would mean much, but that's still a more talented team than Michigan State right now. Mm-hmm. Penn State and James Franklin have come into Michigan and recruited some some talented players from those Detroit schools. Um, so maybe, again, kind of like that Michigan game, you can use that in recruiting. And, I mean, signing day will be kind of right around the corner after that. So maybe you can say, hey, I mean, again, it's year one for us, and we beat Michigan and Penn State, and they, th- that's where our, our talent in the state has been going. So why don't you play for us? Why not? What do you have to lose? Right, yeah. So yeah. that's kind of what I'm looking for in final few games. I would say I, I, I would look for all those things that you said too, of course. But defensively, um, I'd like to see more from some of the younger guys who are going to be here. You know, some of the guys that have showed flashes this year, I'd like to see more. Like Michael Dowell, right, Like who's had some nice – some nice days and some nice nice moments. You'd like to see more from him, um, more from Deshaun Mallory, more from, um, you know, even Angelo Gross, more from him. You know, if he's going to be out there, I'd like to see some of these younger guys, Chase Klein, who's been playing more as we've seen, you know, some of these younger guys who've made plays, I'd like to see them become more consistent as sort of time goes forward in these last three because these are – they do have, Colton, I think they do have some guys defensively We've talked about this a lot, and and I like the young piece on the offensive line, and obviously the receivers. They do have guys on this team that are younger that are interesting. I don't know if I would say that it's you have enough by way of guys who I would call like no doubt this guy's no doubt going to be a dude for you, but they have guys that have a chance. I think, and mm-hmm. I would like to see from a good handful of them, and there's a lot on defense. I mean, you know, those defensive Fletcher, tackles. Jacob Slade, yeah. I mean, Mallory and Hunt. Uh, Hunt. I mean, all yeah, all these guys, they're interesting now. I mean, like, they're, they they do stuff where if you watch the tape wire to wire, there'll be, you know, five plays where you don't see anything, and then you'll be like, whoa, what was that? And then you have to <laughs> rewind back and look and find one of these guys, and it's often one of those 
you know, second year player, third year player, who is this? He's interesting, you know, this kind of thing. And I think there's a handful of those guys up front and on the and in the back end too, defensively, that, you know, could turn this into a more competitive defense faster, maybe, than maybe we would have thought for Mel Tucker. I don't know. I mean, I think that of all the things D'Antonio left Michigan State's program, they did have some guys defensively that, you know, can play a little bit. So I, I would like to see further growth from them. I think that they have made strides defensively, um, but it's still not quite enough, and I would still like to see maybe more from these underneath guys. And I think they have, they should have a chance to do that, as we talked about all those young guys getting time. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the defense, again, it, it has been hard to evaluate just because of all the turnovers and the field position and all that stuff. But, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, me and, and Jason Stare, you know, my, my editor, who's a big mm-hmm. stats guy, uh, we were kind of going through some of the numbers earlier this week. And Michigan State is fifth in the Big Ten in yards per play. They're only giving up five five point two yards per play, I want to say. Um, which is not bad. Uh, yeah. Part of that is because, okay, you're working with the short field and everything. But right. um, at the same time, like, Again, some of their numbers, the underlying numbers, might suggest that the defense has been better than just when you look at scoring defense. That's not great. Exactly. Um, it's, yeah. I think that's on pace to be the worst since like 2002. But again, the underlying numbers that show, hey, we're on a per game, on a per play basis. You know, teams are running a lot of plays against Michigan State. That's the other thing. I think they, the defense has had the most plays, you know, ran against them in the Big Ten. Um, so I think they're they're tired when they're getting out there so much and things like that. So you wonder how much of that affects those numbers, but I think they've been decent. They, like you mentioned, they've got some young pieces. Maybe they can build around. Again, you want to see more. I think that goes back to the consistency part that Mel Tucker's been talking about and kind of harping yeah. on for so, so long. He probably sees that in practice. He probably sees the flashes that we don't really see. We see some of it in games, but I'm willing to bet that behind the scenes, he sees the effort that they're giving every single day. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why he's harping on that so much. He's like, guys, I'm telling you, we, we got some pieces. We just got to see more of it. So I wonder – Maybe that's going to be the emphasis for these final three games. Um, like a guy like Deshaun Mallory, Jalen Hunt. I think those are two guys you can build around. Um, up front there in the middle, Mike Fletcher has been pretty good in the run game, I'd say. I think he's still kind of working as a pass rusher. That yep. might come with more time. But I thought I think he's been pretty decent there. And they're going to have to find some linebackers because yep. Yep. <laughs> you know Antoine Simmons won't be around here forever. Noah Harvey's kind of been up and down. So you, you need some more depth there. And you already lost a retro freshman to the transfer portal. So – they got to get some guys there, but the secondary, they've been playing a lot of people too, just kind of finding the right mix and match there. So again, a lot of these players have shown flashes, but it's just about, you know, finding some consistency, picking a few guys that can emerge down the stretch and maybe vault them into starting positions in 2021. Exactly. Well, we'll see how it plays out. Three more games to go after this week. This week, they're basically in buy mode, I would assume, right at this point. They're yep. not going to probably do anything Saturday. No, it seems like they're kind of taking it easy. They got some guys banged up, so I think they're going to give them some time to heal. Yeah. So, in any event, Michigan State will be back uh, November 28th, week from Saturday, anyway, uh, at home against Northwestern. Colton and I will be back, I'm sure, at some point, either next week or the week after that, to talk about all of it. Uh, follow Colton on Twitter, follow myself on Twitter, follow Austin, Brendan, everybody else. Thanks, all of you, for listening. Thanks to Homefield, our sponsor today. And be sure to tip those bartenders and servers, and we'll talk to you later. Ah.